I'm going to start with confession, because confession is good for the soul. Twenty years ago, wait for it, I went to a Cliff Richard concert. <laughs> it was uh, an evening around about five o'clock. I was leaving the diocesan offices up in Belfast beside Stan's Cathedral. And uh, as I was walking out, the receptionist said, I've got two free tickets to Cliff Richard tonight in the Odyssey. Do you want to go? Now, Susan was eight months pregnant. And let's just say Cliff Richard didn't appear very often in my music collection, in my record collection. I can't say he didn't appear at all because here's another confession. I did have one record by Cliff Richard called Wired for Sound, one of his lesser known ones. And uh, there's a lot of confessions coming out today. And uh, it just didn't seem likely that we were going to be going to this Cliff Richard concert. And can I just say that if you're under 25 here today and don't know what a record is, then please ask your parents after the service. And uh, here's the thing. Susan loved Cliff Richard. And so I can only say that whenever I phoned Susan, Susan's response to that invitation was like the response of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And a couple of hours later, there we were in the Odyssey Arena. And I have to admit, Cliff was good. Four young men, probably aged between 15 and 25, found this invitation of Jesus utterly irresistible. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. We imagine that they knew Jesus, or they knew of him, that they understood that this invitation was an invitation to be a disciple, to be an apprentice of someone who was behaving like a rabbi, like a teacher. In Jewish culture at that time, boys would attend school up to about 13 years of age, and in that they would learn the first five books of the Bible by heart, and they would study other scriptures too. That was the main syllabus up to the age of 13. And then most boys began learning a trade, either from their father or by going to work and live with a tradesman's family and to earn their keep. Some boys, the ones who showed most potential in their studies, were invited around the age of 15 to be a disciple of a rabbi. And a small number became rabbis themselves at the age of about 30. The fact that Peter, Andrew, James, and John were fishing or repairing nets near the water's edge can mean only one thing. No one had seen any potential in them as disciples. Until Jesus offered an opportunity that was too good to miss. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. The first part of that invitation, that single word, come. This was primarily an invitation to be with Jesus to walk alongside him, to watch his life, and to learn from him. It's an invitation into life-giving relationship 
that the crucified, risen, ascended Lord still issues today to people by His Spirit, whether they be Jew or non-Jew, male or female, young or old. A little later in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus issues a similar invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, there's another rabbinic word, take my yoke, my teaching upon you. Let me teach you because I'm gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Do you yearn for soul rest? Do you long for your soul to experience deep rest? The reason why I turned to Jesus Christ at 14 and still turn to Him every day is because I've discovered that only He can satisfy my soul. Nobody else can satisfy my soul. I found that life without Jesus is completely empty and meaningless. It can be full of activity and full of stuff. It can be full of people. But I've discovered without Jesus, my life is utterly empty. And I've found the invitation of Jesus to be utterly irresistible. Come. Jesus also said, come, follow me. So here's the thing. Jesus was walking along the beach. It was a dynamic thing. He didn't stop. He may have hesitated for a moment to say, come, follow me. But he kept walking along the shore. He kept walking along to see James and John, and then he kept walking on past them. Because here's the thing, if you want to go with Jesus, you can't stay where you are. It only makes sense to follow someone if they're moving. Christ is still on the move today. And that means that to respond to Christ means that, that you have to leave things and people behind. It doesn't mean you stop caring for people. But in this, in this world today, there is such a strong push to make us believe that we are simply consumers and that our value lies in experiencing as many things as possible. There is such an underlying message in society which is the value of life is experiencing as many things and owning as many things as possible. Discipleship to Christ runs utterly contrary to that. In following Jesus that day, James and John left the boat and their father behind. Following Jesus involves missing out on many things. I'm not talking about the bad stuff here. I'm talking about a lot of good stuff. If you want to follow Jesus, there's a lot of stuff, good stuff, that he will call you to walk away from and leave behind. 
you can't make making money or living a life of leisure or pleasing yourself or your friends your primary goal and follow Jesus. You can't follow the way of the world and follow Jesus. You've got to choose. The call to follow is the invitation to give your all. It's an invitation to worship, to live sacrificially, and to discover real joy. Worship involves focused attention, which means you're going to have to choose not to look at other stuff or pursue other stuff. And again, I'm not talking about the bad stuff. I'm talking about the good stuff. There are certain things the Lord will say, that's not for you. It's good, but it's not for you. Many of us give more focused attention to TV screens or tablets or mobile screens than to Jesus. And we imitate that which we worship. That which we focus on, that which our eyes are trained on, that is what we become like. It's just the way it goes. It's the way human beings are built. Many seek to find identity, security, and meaning in imitating the figures and people they see on social media or on television. For instance, like the very popular Love Island. So many people are shaping and tattooing their bodies accordingly and exposing as much of it as they can with a view to having as many empty sexual encounters as possible. I've never watched it, but that's the sense I get of it. Jesus Christ invites us away from soul-destroying worship to a life of remaining and abiding in His love. He said to his disciples, he says to us, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. A disciple of Jesus is a work in progress. Someone learning to love other people the way Jesus loves them. Discipleship is learning and doing over and over and over and over again. He trains us by His Spirit in our thinking, our actions, and in our words. If when we come to Him, our thinking is negative, judgmental, unkind, selfish, destructive, then He trains us to think differently. If our words are unhelpful, untruthful, unholy, rude, and include cursing and gossip, then He trains us to speak differently. If our actions and how we relate to others are incompatible with being His disciple, then He trains us to behave differently. He will call us either to live a celibate life in which we are especially free to follow Him, or into lifelong faithful marriage with a fellow disciple of the opposite gender. He will not call us into sexual encounters outside marriage. He will not call us to cohabit. He will not call us to go out with someone or marry someone who is not His disciple. 
And the simple reason is because he loves us. And because he loves everybody. And he wants everyone to live in close communion with him. And to experience his joy and his blessing. Those amazing words that Jesus said. You'll be filled with my joy. And your joy will overflow. Is your joy overflowing? Because that's what happens when we walk close with Jesus. The biggest part of the call, certainly in the number of words, is the final part of this call. And I will show you how to fish for people. Here's the thing. Joy does not come by pursuing joy. If you remember nothing else today, remember that. You will not discover joy by pursuing joy. Joy comes by receiving the loving kindness of Jesus Christ, his mercy. And joy comes by obeying Jesus as an expression of our love for him. Deep joy is a byproduct of a long obedience in the same direction, the direction in which Jesus is going. Life comes whenever we give it away. That sounds costly because it is. As Billy Graham put it, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost us everything. If you feel like following Jesus is costing you, then be reassured. But if you don't feel the cost, if during this last week you haven't felt the cost, be concerned. The Lord is calling us all to rediscover the cost and joy of giving sacrificially of our time, our talents, and our treasure. Our serving within the church and our financial giving to the mission of the church should be costly. It should really cost us something. The amount of time we spend serving our brothers and sisters in Christ in this place should make us every month say, can I really afford this time? Can I really afford to do it? Because boy, this is costing me. If you don't regularly ask that question, there's something wrong. Christ's invitation, as Rick Hill says, is to be an outward-looking, forward-moving, lost-reaching, gospel-speaking, kingdom-minded, people-serving, mission-focused army of disciples. We are to be disciples making disciples. We are wholeheartedly to give our all. That's how you find joy. You give your all.
there are two types of caravan. You may have stayed in one of them recently over the summer. There are static caravans and there are touring caravans. Static caravans wait for people to come to them. We're to be touring caravans. We are to be mobile mission units. As author Greg Laurie says, Jesus did not say that the whole world should go to church. He said the church should go into the whole world. During these last few years particularly, we've been seeking increasingly through We Are With You to respond to the challenge of the pandemic, the influx of asylum seekers and refugees, and increasing local and global hardship. I would love to see every single one of us in this church engaged in some way in meeting the need that is all around us and is going to increase rapidly over this next year. We already know many people in this town through our Compassion Ministry who in recent years have gone without meals, have gone without heat, and are sitting in their homes in dark and despair. And that is going to escalate rapidly over the next years. I would love to see, I'd love to see a hundred of us down the McKee clock this Saturday coming. Giving out hot dogs, having conversations, organizing with the children for their games. And also I would love to see 30 or 40 people going out in twos to all people around Bangor and just asking them, hey, we're from the local church and we're learning how to pray. Is there anything that you'd like us to pray for you for? This is our fourth Living Hope event coming up this Saturday. We've run three others. And the reason why we're running them is to combat isolation in the, in the wake of the pandemic. It's to hand out free food and, and allow community to happen. It's about the church going out into the world. It's a small thing, it's a simple thing, but hopefully it's a symbolic thing. And over the last three events, a number of people have gone out in twos and asked that simple question, hey, we're from the local church. We're learning how to pray for people. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And loads of people have said, yes, please, pray for me. Just people walking down the street. We'll give you a full two minutes training before you go out. But the fact is, there are people hungry out there, spiritually hungry. Are we willing to be touring caravans? Are we willing in boldness to go out? Now, you might be saying, I'd love to be bold enough and confident enough to get involved in our work with asylum seekers and, and people who are hungry and struggling in the local community. I'd love to be able to go out and ask people, do you want me to pray? I'd love to have that confidence and passion in my faith. Well, here's the thing. That passion and confidence come by going fishing with Jesus. You see, worship and prayer 
and Bible teaching, they're all, they're all really important. But they will never really bring us to the call of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is on the move. He's out fishing for people. And if we want to be close to him, we've got to go fishing with him. And here's the thing. Mission provokes discipleship. And discipleship fuels mission. It's a virtuous circle. If we want to be closer to Jesus and learn from him, then Jesus says, well, hey, I'm, I'm going out to the broken and the lost. Are you coming with me? And I'll teach you what it means as we walk along that journey together. You cannot walk with Jesus and stay where you are. And he alone can give us soul rest. And he alone can give us joy. And he alone can give us life. And his invitation is utterly irresistible. Come, follow me, and I will teach you how to fish for people. Shall we stand together? We don't do this in our own strength, we do it in the strength of the Holy Spirit. We pray the Spirit will come and fire us up and send us out. So Lord, we pray, come. Risen Lord Jesus, crucified for us, risen for us, ascended into heaven for us, at the right hand of God, the place of power and influence, interceding for us, which means pouring out your spirit, pouring out the kingdom. Lord, keep, keep pouring it out on us. Keep pouring out your spirit on us. Lord, we open our hands and our lives and our hearts to you. Lord, take us out of our slumber. Lord, take us out of the place where we're being. Lord, we're having our eyes focus on the stuff which is of the world. Lord, may our eyes be fixed on you so that people will discover life in all of its fullness. Lord, make us courageous. Make us people who are willing to sacrifice because we discovered the overflowing joy of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, give us a boldness by your Holy Spirit, a love. Lord, may we speak to the people in our families and neighborhoods and our workplaces. Help us to say something simple in these days ahead, to utter the name of Jesus, to say something, to say, can we pray for you in some way to point to Jesus Christ? Because we know, Lord, that in that, that you will have a smile on your face and we will realize that you are there already and that you are preparing hearts and lives to have a deep searching for you. Lord, thank you we've discovered as we have gone out that people are desperately hungry for you. They're desperately thirsty for meaning. So Lord, I pray that we would be harbingers of hope that we would be ambassadors of Jesus Christ 
that we will be carriers of the power and the glory of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, Lord, that we would have a fresh anointing, a fresh authority, a fresh power that has come through the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension and the glorification of Jesus Christ. Lord, come, stir us up by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to go out with you into the world where you are already active, already dynamic, already there. Be with us at the McKee Clock next Saturday. Be with us every moment of this week. May we be ready, waiting to say a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word of faith, to pray a prayer, and to believe that you heal, to believe that you change circumstances, to believe that you change and transform lives, to believe there is no circumstance that is without hope. There is no sickness, there is no cancer, there is no loss, there is no difficulty, there is no mental health issue, there is no problem, financial or practical, that is beyond your power or beyond your healing or beyond your transformation. And today, Lord, we want to say that we do believe that you are Lord. Come, and may we live lives that reflect what we say with our lips. May the world know that Jesus alone is the Lord. There is no other.